0: them to At The Threshold, a podcast for ministry leaders during this new, unsettled season in the life of the church. We're your hosts, Ashley Alley Crawford
1: and Shelley Pitts. And we are both
0: clergy in the Great Plains Conference of the United Methodist Church, which is comprised of approximately 1,000 churches in the states of Kansas and Nebraska. Shelley works with Clergy, Faith, and Wellness with the Great Plains
1: Conference. And Ashley is the Clergy Recruitment and Development Coordinator. And we're sharing this from the Office of Clergy Excellence. focus here in At The Threshold is to host a conversation with and for clergy in order to describe what's happening, ask questions to help get us unstuck, and encourage the heart of pastors and leaders in this liminal time in which we find ourselves. Liminal may be a new word, but a new season calls for a new word. Liminal means a threshold from what we've always known to, well we don't know just yet what life and ministry is becoming. Our goal here is to find a little light at the threshold.
2: Today's
0: episode is our very first one. It's a Zoom conversation that we hosted with nearly 30 clergy from the Great Plains Conference. We asked four of them to serve as a panel, sharing from their experiences leading churches in these first two months after the COVID-19 crisis. Rev. Stephanie Oshweed serves as the Senior Pastor of St. Paul UMC in the historic Benson neighborhood in Omaha. Rev. Isaac Chua is the pastor of two churches, Laurel and Logan Center UMCs in Nebraska. Rev. Cindy Stewart serves as the lead pastor of First United Methodist Church in Columbus, Nebraska. And Rev. Jeff Klinger serves as the lead pastor at First United Methodist Church in Topeka, Kansas. The topic today was creativity, comparing, and coping. Three responses that we've seen in ourselves and in other pastoral leaders during this new time take a listen. Well, we're really glad to have everybody here uh, today in this kind of virtual space, and it is definitely different than, um, than other ways that we have gathered in the past, but, but we just want to share this um, in this opportunity. So Shelly Pets and I have kind of decided to host this conversation. You may know Shelly, and you're going to get to hear from her in just a second, but we're um, leading this conversation in a um, on behalf of the the Office of Clergy Excellence, and um, and this kind of arose out of um, out of some conversation that Shelley and I have had as we have been connecting about ways that we could resource um, and support and encourage and provide um, provide a space for clergy kind of during this new strange time. It's, it's um, been a weird two months and it doesn't look like it's going to become um, significantly less disruptive um, in the months ahead. Um, and while weird, you know, is sort of definitively like different from normal, this is becoming a little bit normal. So I'm going to have to stop saying what a weird two months it's been because it's not going to be weird anymore. It's, we're going to become a little bit more accustomed to this, which is part of what brings us to this conversation. Um, this uh This is such a strange new time that it really deserves a new word, and some of you may be familiar with this word, but it's the word liminal. Um, It may be an unfamiliar word that you haven't ever heard, but I've decided that this is now becoming, for now and forever, um, the quintessential definition of what liminal is. Liminal, sort of, um, at some level, it means a threshold. It means a time where things are are different, Um, a time where things are disrupted, a time where things are confusing, there's grief, there's multiple different kinds of um, dynamics going on, and we just kind of don't know which way is up. But what this liminal time actually also invites us to and offers us is a time of new opportunity and new possibilities, things that would never have existed otherwise. Um, now have a place where they can emerge where they can begin to perhaps um, um, show themselves and perhaps even flourish flourish so we are um, we are emerging from some place that's familiar, our status quo um, our normal the the thing that we've all that we've known um, at least for um, for for the recent um, past, and we are emerging into something that we don't know. Um, we don't know what. Um, worship is going to look like. We don't know what um, people's homes and realities are going to look like. There's, there's definitely folks whose um, livelihoods are certainly now up in upheaval, and that impacts us um, as ministry leaders. So, so we wanted to, um, to kind of um, recognize and honor that, uh, that there is a place that, that we are all finding ourselves in where both grief and confusion and also possibility and opportunity are kind of coexisting in this same space. And this, um, this, is, the, this is ministry in liminal time. So we find ourselves here on a threshold. And, um, and we, wanted to, um, we wanted to provide space um, for clergy to kind of gather, um, to, to begin to kind of make sense of this, to, to identify just to name some of what's going on. We wanted to provide a space uh, virtually, obviously, where where clergy um, and ministry leaders can begin to ask some questions, and also a place to perhaps encourage your heart, um, remind you you're not alone in this, and and that God truly is calling us into a new place. So we put out an invitation a couple weeks ago, um, less than two weeks ago, I think now even, and you all showed up we have 36 people registered um for for our time together today so so we are grateful um and we we think that um that this sort of the this the fact that you all wanted to show up and be a part of this conversation um sort of is an indication that that there's um that that we know that we're not alone and we are hungry for some possibilities out here so so um, I did want to, to, to just let you all know that this is our very first conversation in a series of conversations that we're calling At the Threshold, so uh, Ministry in liminal Time. So we're hosting several others. You'll get to hear at the end um, about, some, uh, uh, about what our next one is, and some of you have even already signed up to, to be a part of it. So Shelly, I'm going to pass it to you. Um, introduce yourself and, and share with us about what, what we're going to be
1: talking about today. Thank you. Indeed. My name is Shelly Petz, and I work with clergy, faith, and wellness. And I'm here because I care about you um, and your well-being. And I, like Ashley, have been witnessing conversations with pastors who are working so hard uh, and experiencing things they've never done before. And I applaud you for serving in ministry. I see the long hours that you're putting in. And I give thanks for your faithfulness and your dedication to your congregations and the ministry settings and how you are making a difference every single day. I also see the grief and the struggles and the difficulty that are there before you when there are people who don't like some of the decisions that you make, no matter what decision you make. Whether it was beginning with how do we do online worship or now as you're sorting through how do we open back up or when do we open back up and what does that look like and what's our summer and fall going to look like. You're caring for and providing leadership for people who are stressed and grief laden and overwhelmed and sick and dying and struggling with finances and isolated and exhausted at the same time while some of you may be having some of the same experiences. There are moments of incredible creativity where the Holy Spirit moves within you and uses your gifts to address the world's deepest needs. And today we wanna celebrate some of those and explore those moments of creativity. And there are also moments of comparison where we see clergy colleagues doing incredible things and we wonder if we're doing enough or we feel shame because we aren't doing this thing or that thing or pulled in so many directions and juggling so many things. We experience people telling us we're not good enough, not doing enough and what we think we should have done this or would have done this or could have done that. I know I've experienced myself over these last couple of months thinking, there's no way I could have done what Ashley has done over these last few weeks. I don't have the gifts, the skills or the situation that Ashley is in. And the more I compare myself to her or to anyone, I can find myself spiraling into oblivion. I give God thanks for Ashley, because she shares her gifts and struggles with me. As she does that, I am blessed and strengthened for the journey. And as she reminds me, there are gifts that I have that strengthen her. And as I share my gifts and struggles with her, I pray that she is also strengthened for the journey. And there are moments that we can barely cope. When I'm honest and I speak for myself now more than ever, I have to give myself permission to live into those moments and to ask for help when I'm not coping. And this is hard and I am learning a lot. And I go in cycles of spurts of creativity and comparison and coping. Maybe you do too. And that's why we are here today. So a quick poll, we're gonna ask you a question to check in where you are today at this very moment. So if you can bring that poll up and we'll invite each of you to respond to the poll as you are able. Let's see if we can get that up there. Here it comes, poll in progress. If you'll respond, are you feeling one of these or something else at this very moment? Results should be in shortly. So you can see the results before you. Thank you for responding. We have a variety among us today. We can see that there are creative people at this moment, people who are comparing and people who are coping. And I thank you. And there are some who, what? wait a minute, I'm not sure about a decision at all today. So in the midst of that, one of the things that I have found helpful, trying to pinpoint where I'm at, is um, a slide that I wanna share with you um, that I have found helpful um, whether I am feeling any of those things is called a personal accountability loop that I can just check in with myself, whether I'm feeling creative or if I'm doing some comparison work, or if I'm barely coping. If we can look at that slide together, it's about um, some options that I can set forth for myself. If I have um, something going on that I can make a choice about, I can think about this personal accountability loop. Perhaps there is Um, There are times that we can't make choices, but in a moment where I can make a choice, I can set an intention. For example, today when I am, you know, barely coping, I can set an intention to go for a walk. If that's my intention and I go the bottom route, I can um, know that walking is going to help me cope, but I can ignore that and then deny it. Blame someone else for why I couldn't take a walk. I could blame Ashley because she's you know, on this call with me and I can't go and walk. And so it's her fault that I can't go for a walk. And I can rationalize it out, resist it and hide from it. And I can never go walking. Or if I wanna make a choice to cope today, to go for that walk, I can recognize that I need to go for a walk, own it, forgive myself if I don't get to it this morning, examine, do I really wanna go for this walk? What can I learn, and how can I take action? And so we share this with you as just one tool of many that we can find ourselves making choices in this time that lead us into deep despair or leading us to make an action and take an action for new hope through ways that we can make a difference in our life. And so as we think about that and other um, tools that we have for this session, we're gonna invite us to um, listen to some of our clergy colleagues. We've invited four clergy to be here with us today to help begin our conversation about these questions of looking at creativity, comparison and coping right now. We gave them a little heads up and so they've had some time to think about some questions and there'll be an opportunity for the rest of you if you're willing to join in the conversation for a few minutes. But we want to begin by asking Um, those who we ask, we have invited, um, Stephanie, Isaac, Cindy, and Jeff to be a part of our panelists this morning to help us look at some questions. And the first question we want to ask of each of you, and we'll begin with you, Stephanie, is in these last two months of uncertainty, disruption, and possibility, what was the most life-giving idea and how did it come about for you?
2: Um... I think our our online worship service was the one that that was most helpful for making me feel hopeful and our congregation. And um, it started. I was just really worried. Most of the things that I do that other people are creative come out of desperation. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I can't. uh," And then my brain opens up. And I was like, I can't just stand in an empty pulpit and be pathetic. I'm not saying anyone else is pathetic. I'm saying I would have felt pathetic. Our sanctuary is a giant cavern. I've only, I'd only been the pastor there eight months, so it wasn't even my cavern. I can't stand in someone else's cavern. And it's like the week of the pandemic was the exact week that the last pastor walked out of the church and quit. <laughs> I'm like, I can't do this. I'm like, oh, Okay we'll have worship like a variety show. And um, so uh, I, it's out of that desperation moment where I'm like, I can't. And then I go, I won't, but I
3: will. And then that probably wasn't very helpful. I don't know.
1: Thank oh, it's, you. It's How about you, Isaac? It's, uh, yeah, That's we, we're grateful for your honesty. Isaac, what about you?
4: Um, I would say, you know, there's a lot of all this as we go through this. We're trying to figure out online worship, like what Stephanie is talking about. And then especially hitting into Holy Week, it was still on online worship. So during Holy Week, I was planning, how how am I going to have all these services online? And what was very life-giving was that there were several lay people that took ownership and came up with an idea, you know, like, how about for Good Friday, instead of having online worship they had thought, heard about you know stations of the cross where people could drive through and so they just called me up and say what if we did what if we did a stations of the cross and a drive-through station and then so I thought of, I, I said that's a great idea you know I came up with some resources and they just took took on took on with it and then they ran with it and then they did it all you know, made made the posters, found the yards, called up people all around town, drew up a map, and then I think that turned out to be one of the most meaningful Good Friday services that many people have had. You know, instead of just coming into the sanctuary and sit for you know, thirty to an hour, thirty minutes to an hour, I mean, a lot of people really say it was very meaningful to drive through fourteen stations all across town, you know, to stop at each station and have a prayer guide to to pray through that. So that was very life giving to see see lay people taking up ownership when they had an idea, they, they ran it past me and then went with it and it was turned out to be a great Good Friday service.
3: Thank you. Cindy. I think that what was the most life-giving for me personally and as we looked at the decisions that we needed to make very quickly was um, simplicity. We just allowed simplicity to guide that we realized we were going to have to keep things pretty simple and focused and just allow things to emerge from there. And when we started at that place, it's been consistent. It's been able. And then as we've been able to maybe add a few pieces to online worship or or some of the different things that we're doing, we just have kept that simplicity in mind in the back of our heads the whole time just so that we could give ourselves permission to not make things too complicated. Because and every time we're tempted to do that, we rein it back in and maintain that simplicity. That has been the most life-giving for us.
1: Thank you. And Jeff.
5: Thanks. I... Immediately when I learned who the other pastors were on the panel, I went to comparison, so I was like, oh great, you know, I'm never as creative as Stephanie is creative, Uh, so I was thinking about this, not even about the ministry or the life of the church as much as in my own world and how those two things have interacted, but it was March 15th, the first Sunday that we were not going to worship in person and I pastor people. And so I, I was really struggling with, like, I, what does it mean that we're not gathering people? And so that day I went Facebook Live at 8 30 and just kind of said, hey, what do you need? How can I pray for you? Um, how about I read my daily devotion out loud to my computer instead of just reading it to myself? Uh, I don't know where the idea came from. It was just kind of ill thought out and um, harebrained. And now it's today was like day 56 of reading my uh daily devotion out loud to my computer at eight thirty um, but it 's been incredibly life giving for me because there's community and we 'll have between thirty five and forty five people on most days, and m- many of them are connected to our church, but many are not and uh, so we 're praying for one another and it's it my kids the everybody 's favorite part is when our kids tell their joke of the day that they totally just uh, plagiarize from our Amazon echo speaker moments before they sit down at the table um but that has been a way for me to stay connected to people, um, which has been really, really life-giving. That's awesome. I,
0: yeah, I kind of love that. Um, that you said, I don't know where this idea came from and, um, and, and for all and Isaac, you like are are accepting no responsibility for the most life-giving thing about it. I think it's such a great reminder to us, um, you know, that, that actually creativity is like actually being, being creative. Some of us sort of think I'm not very, we think of creative as crafty or artistic or something like that. I'm not a very creative person because I don't have funky glasses like Steph, you know, or I don't do um, crafts like Cindy, um, who is a wonderful uh, craft crafter. Um, And so we think of, but but it really is at the heart of who we are, um, right. As being made in the image of God that we create, like that is who God has, um, has made us. It's it's a spark of the, of the divine, so to speak, um, to be creators. So, so I want to, um, I want to ask a question. Isaac, I'm going to ask you this one. Um, when, how do you get in that creative Holy spirit sort of inspired place? Like, what do you do, um, how, how do you get there? How do you stay in a place where then um, you're able to kind of submit to the the work of the Spirit in creating something, and don't have to feel the responsibility of it being something that you um, need to
4: do? Yeah, I think it's it's always a challenge, isn't it? Especially in this time, sometimes we get into a, a funk and trying to trying to get into people pleasing, like. When, when I make this decision or that decision, am I, who am I gonna, who am I gonna upset right now? You know, as, as Shelly said just now, whatever decisions they we make, some people are gonna think it's not the best, you know? So being in that creative space, I think, um, I think you not know, just, I, I think, you know, getting getting community is great, you know, not to be by myself, you know, I have like a, a couple pastors, a band that we call it, you know, to meet together. I think it's always great that I can can know that I'm, I have fellow pastors I'm accountable to and, and bounce ideas of and, and being prayed for with each other and, and my my wife is another one that keeps me accountable too like you know reminds me to to trust in the Holy Spirit am I am I am I operating out of out of my my own you know trying to please people or am I am I trusting the Holy Spirit so those things you know and of course being in prayer um and I think yeah I think having having that that, that community you know I think it's, it's very helpful for me to to remain connected. Yeah good
1: good thanks Thank you. What a great reminder for us. Cindy, I turn this next question to you. We've already indicated, and Jeff pointed out exactly, you know, even just on this phone call or in conversation about comparison. How can you guard against comparison, which can often be the thief of joy?
3: That is a great question, and it is so hard because like Jeff, I was like, who are the other pastors going to be on here? Oh my gosh, I bet they chose this person, and I don't have anything to say. What are we talking about here? And we do it, we do it very naturally, and on Sunday mornings, I imagine that many of us are watching more more of each other's worship services, which is a gift to be able to tune in, but you also look and see what people are doing, and, and it is hard. The one of the best ways that I've guarded against that comparison is reminding myself that um, I have been appointed to this faith community. I've been appointed to this place, and that my role is to minister to the people in in which I was appointed. And to remember that, yeah, we've we're gaining a few more folks on on the online services, but I still have a mission field, I couldn't come up with that word, mission field, I have a mission field. And when I focus on my mission field, and remember that the message that that we're, we're giving to our mission field, uh, the things that we're doing, it is intentionally for our mission field. And then I remember that what other people are doing is for their mission field. And that is how they're connecting. And when I do that, I stop comparing myself with others. And I start realizing that I need to be doing what I'm doing for the people that I'm serving. And, and keeping that focus, um, helps me to remember that, that I'm enough. I don't, I don't need to compare myself with others because I am enough. And, um, and I am a recovering people pleaser. I'm an over-functioner. I'm a harmonizer, uh, all of those words. And so to have to let go of that, it's, it, it, it's very hard to let go of that. But it 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 is it takes away our spirit if we don't if we don't um, guard against that comparison, it can destroy us and it can get us into a place where it's really hard to be there for our mission field in this season. That is so difficult anyway.
0: Yeah, good. Thank you. That's there's a lot of a lot of wisdom and probably a lot of other folks that sort of resonate with some of the <laughs> some of the things you've voiced there. Steph, I have a question um, for for you. Um, you know, I, I firmly sort of believe that um, that things until they get named can loom larger, <laughs> worries and anxieties and um, and all those kinds of um, unknowns can can sort of loom larger than they really are until we name them. So I'm curious if you've kind of been able to kind of name some of those things anxieties or worries that, um, that you have in living in this kind of liminal and ever evolving um, time, you know, so as, so as to be, be able to get a handle on it. What, what are some of those worries that you've named?
2: Oh, so the question is what are the worries or what do yeah. I do with them?
0: No, well, both, you can answer both.
2: <laughs> I, um, so I'm, I'm one of those people that has a lot of different thoughts in my head at once. So it's really burdensome right now because there's even more thoughts than usual. And a lot of my thoughts I'm thinking are running ahead of what other people have figured out to think about. So I'm trying to not scare the other people yet, but I have a, a role as a shepherd um, <laughs> to to notice what's ahead. And so that can be a really lonely um, feeling. And I'm trying to find that balance between triggering people, but also educating in an appropriate way to, to get us going in a, a wise direction. And so I I one of the things I've been thinking about even more than usual is learning styles. So different ones of us have different training and things like PCM or Myers Briggs or Are You a Visual or a Verbal Learner? And I'm I'm really calling upon that to both process for myself those anxieties so I can name and claim them, but also to try to interpret what I'm seeing from other people who haven't really figured out that with which they are filled with anxiety. And so, uh, one of the things that I, there'll be about a third of you who relate to this data would suggest a third of you can relate to this. I invested in a new set of pens. So I have matching identical pens, uh, three kinds at home and at work. Cause I was trying to take them back and forth and it was really upsetting. So, I have three different kinds of pens that I like to write with for different purposes. Now that I can write uh, in the same pen in the two places, doing a lot better. And in the creative process, I use a loose leaf cardstock that's hole punched. It's white with the rainbow fleck. I have to hole punch it myself. I mean, it's not that hard, and I have a whole punch at both places, so I have fewer exposures. And um, I can keep the worry page separate from the optimism page, but then sometimes they talk to each other. And so that way I've got it, but if it's too much, I can put it away for a while.
3: That's great, thank you. Thank you. <laughs>
1: Jeff, a question for you: What are the questions that you are asking right now?
5: What are the questions that I'm asking right now? Uh, the the big one that dropped on me this week. I mean, I think we all are asking a lot of the same questions, but the big one that is weighing heavily on me that dropped this week is: Are we experiencing an interruption? Or a disruption and I have been pretending for the last six weeks like this is an interruption right we have to do this thing differently for a brief season until we can come back to the normal way that we've always done things before and it's increasingly feeling like that might not be the case and that's scaring me um, and overwhelming me we are a singing people, and though I'm not particularly musical, I can't fathom gathering people together for corporate worship if we're not supposed to sing, or touch each other, or receive communion, or you know maybe we should be wearing masks. And so right now we're in this space where our bishop has said we can do online communion, and we're being recommended to not do communion in person. And so as I think about what does it mean for us to figure out coming back to in-person worship, um, I'm going whoa. Are we really developing a short-term plan to deal with an interruption or are we really going into some new future that that I have no training or skills for, right? Like I was fully trained for the old reality and that might not be our future reality. So there's lots of questions in there for self about um, how you live into that and then what it is that we're living into. So one of the things I'm trying to do in my own self-care is give permission. Right. And I keep giving myself permission uh, not to be an infectious disease expert, not to be a public policy expert, um, not to be uh, expert in the way those two things interplay with one another. Um, and to just keep coming back to, as Cynthia was saying, like, who who are my people and what are their needs and where do my gifts meet up with their needs and how do we connect those two together?
3: That's
0: great. It's um Sometimes asking the right question actually leads us to a to a better place. Um, we keep asking, oh, what are we gonna do for this month? What are we gonna do until they open us back up and not consider that that um, that, that we may be talking about something a little bit longer? So that's a, a helpful nuance. Good. Well, we, we're going to, uh, I want to ask you for, for just a very brief word um, of, of encouragement that, that, and you've all named some things, but what's one brief word um, that you might offer um, to, to, to other, to your colleagues or that maybe somebody has offered to you? Um, During this season, you know, the reality is every, every one of us approaches this from a different context. Some people are navigating this as a solo pastor. Some people have staff, Uh, some people have a a tight knit clergy colleague or your network works functions really well and others may feel a little bit more isolated and like you're having to navigate this um, without uh, with 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 a uh, lay leadership that might not be as helpful <laughs> as another church uh, you know might might have. so so we each kind of come from this from a different angle. Um, but um so I expect to hear different kinds of encouragement. but from you four, what what words of encouragement might you offer um very briefly to to one another to your clergy colleagues?
2: I have something to sh- sh- say. <laughs> My, one of my favorite scriptures for times like this is the one where Jesus tells the disciples, go, go, go do it. You got what you need. If your shoes get messed up, you know, try to save your toes because it'll be easier to walk if your toes don't rot and just go. And our, our people trust us maybe more than we do. And, um, one thing that's kept me moving is not like, okay, go and be stupid, but, go and try something. And I've been trying to be asset-based. So the the staff and the volunteers who look like they aren't, you got to give people room to be over the edge. If they're over the edge, leave them alone, find them a pillow or whatever they need. But when they're off the edge, I've been asking people, what do you do best? Because you're going to keep doing it best in a crisis and we need you. And then as they've identified what they do best, I'm like, Can you figure out by tomorrow how to do that now? And it's really been working um, to do that. And I just wanna encourage people, I really don't think anyone's gonna hate you for doing something you enjoy doing right now, because it's a lot more than what the not doing anything.
3: Great, thanks. Anybody else?
4: I would say, you know, like as we all do online worship, there's struggles, you know. Like myself, I'm a one-man show trying to put everything together. And even though a lot of people think you know, me for that, you know, but there's still a lot of technological struggles I have to face along the way, you know, trying to do that. I mean, so so whatever we put out there, you know, some are higher production than others, um, that that we can know that God is still working, the Holy Spirit still works through, you know, when we we, we give what we can and the Holy Spirit is working, whatever that that product is. Every product is different, but God still speaks. Mm -hmm.
0: Good. Thanks, Isaac.
3: I just want to encourage everybody to be yourself. You don't have to be anything that you're not right now. Be yourself and and be true to that. Um, Where you're at with who you're serving, be yourself. Um, That was... I heard that several weeks into this new situation. And I remember I was in the comparing, the coping and all of this and struggling with the creative part. And on a call, on a cohort, someone just said, be yourself. And and I, I heard those words and I realized, exactly. I don't have to be anyone else right now except for Cindy. I just have to be Cindy. And, um, God has called me to this time and this place. And for such a time as this, if I am myself and I'm living true to my calling, all shall be well.
0: Yeah. Good. Thanks.
5: And I would just extend upon that, um, echoing the be yourself in this time though. I think there's a, a know yourself that's required on the front end of that. And I keep kind of remembering things about myself in this, like, uh, I am not at my best when I take things too seriously, right? And that's that kind of recovering people pleaser, like Cindy already mentioned. Um, I am I am better as myself when I'm playful. And so figuring out how to create space and time for playful uh, has been something that's been important for me. And so know yourself and give yourself permission. Then um, we've all seen and heard versions of this, right? But like, we're not going to be our most productive selves in the global pandemic right? So you can let go of kind of your former expectations um, to give yourself that space to be whatever you need to be uh, to fully show up for your folks.
0: Yeah, that, that's great. I love the permission giving. And, and honestly, there's a, a level of um, permission giving that I'm seeing at large, you know, in our culture um, that is incredibly refreshing. Um, it's sort of uncovering um, some of our need for grace and um, and the power of grace to be able to, to live into that and offer that to other people. So um, I, I hope that we can all embrace that. Thank you. Thank you guys for, for sharing here. Well, um, as we kind of, as we continue to live into this uncertain season, one of the best gifts that we can give ourselves during this time is to get really curious. And I learned this from a friend of mine who's a hospital chaplain Um, And we were kind of talking about something and I was, you know, I kind of had gotten into that tunnel vision um, about something. Um, And I was upset and I was worried and I was scared and she could sort of see me devolving. And she just said, you know, Ashley, anytime that happens, can you just get really curious about Thing. Um, because I think what curiosity does is it does sort of help. It's maybe a gateway for new possibilities. Um, why did this happen or why is this happening or what could happen? Um, and pretty soon, three questions later, we're in a place of, of a, tra- a different trajectory um, that allows us to open into something new. So um, I think as we can begin to ar- articulate questions um, and Jeff did a, a great job of, of that with us just a moment ago. Um, we can begin to see some new possibilities and, and new realities. and um, So I want to just invite us for just a moment to be able to, to ask some questions. And so there may be something that's emerging for you. I want to invite you first um, to, to use your chat if you want to articulate it in that and share it with the group. We will have just a moment if there's anybody who wants to use the raise hand function. of the. You can find it on the participants list um, there. You can raise your hand. Um if we if we if we have any that want to share, we could we could take a question um or two. We're not gonna answer any of these questions. <laughs> um these are questions that we have to kind of go on with here, but um um and and work out um and let the just even sometimes that settle in. So if there's any questions that you're articulating right now, we sure would love to to see them and recognize them. Um and like I said, you can put them in the chat now, or or even as we go. Um, any, any have any anybody have any questions that you'd like to share uh, with the group? Oh, Phil, Phil Sloat has raised his hand. Let's see. Um,
6: I guess this is something of a question. It's something that occurred to me as this whole uh, conversation began this morning. But it seems to me like the Pandora, the Pandora, pan. Uh, pandemic, um, is, is creating a, um, um, creating a liminal time, but one that we were already in, but maybe not everyone was as aware of it. Because for me, I've been kind of living in a liminal time since 2011, when I read my first Brian McLaren book. And, um, I went to the evolving faith workshop um in denver last year and i said wow the emergent, the emerging church isn't just a hypothetical thing it really exists there really are people out there who are living this thing um and i think if you combine that when with what's going on in the united methodist church in particular with the protocol for Re- reconciliation and everything we are like in a super liminal time and i think that your conversation is very timely and i really kind of want to maybe at least think about that for myself a little bit more, but, um, you know, this isn't just about, um, a virus. This is about moving into a new 500 year cycle for the church. So thank you. That's, that's very good. An early
0: metaphor that kind of came to my mind when all this started happening is I, I, um, had sort of just imagined us like walking on cracked glass, but we didn't know it was cracked. Um, and then when this whole thing happened, um, like the, the class, the, 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 glass broke and what was really there was now visible to us. And so mm-hmm. the beautiful thing about this is there's some things that we didn't know were there that are wonderful. Some neighboring, um, things, ways to reach out to one another, um, the, some, some life-giving practices that some people have discovered, but also we're beginning to see some other cracks that um, and some other hard things that are, 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 um, are difficult to wrap our heads around. So thank you, Phil, for that.
3: Tilly.
1: Well, yes, please feel free to keep those questions coming in the chat room or afterwards. If there are ways that we can connect with you, we welcome those questions. What we'd like to do for about the next 10 minutes is to go to breakout rooms and we will put you into um, rooms and invite you if you're willing to continue this conversation in small groups. Um, We will share with you on the screen um, a list of some questions that we invite you to talk about. Um, Sometimes um, we're we're also going to put it into the chat box um, because we're trying to figure out the best way for them to make sure you have them in the chat rooms. Hopefully that will work. If you're not sure if it'll work, you can also take a screenshot as we bring up these questions. Um, these will be some questions that we invite you to talk about in your breakout um, rooms um, of, uh, for your conversation, including what is something you've heard today that challenges you? Um, also, we gave you a poll early in the call to identify where you are at and do you wanna share anything further about that? There, so these are um, up into the chat room now, you will be able to see those questions Um, What is an unexpected joy you've experienced in these last two months? What have you learned personally that's been encouraging? What's something that you've never tried um, for which you have been grateful that you tried now? And as you look to the future, what excites you? So again, we'll put these up here on the screen um, as well as in the chat box. And we will now be sending you to your breakout rooms. We'll call you back in about 10 minutes.
3: For those breakout rooms, you do just have to click um,
0: join um, whenever you get the invitation that shows up on your screen.
3: All right. Well, we have um, we have the
0: the four folks that we had earlier that are we're going to be a breakout room here. So we want to kind of check in with you about about this, um, about some of these, these very same questions here. So what we've been kind of talking about a, a variety of different things here, um, this idea of creativity, some of the pain of comparison and, um, and even just some of the, the coping that we all find ourselves in here, um, what... Huh. Well, what challenges you of of this stuff? Is there is there anything that you've kind of heard that's that's stepping on your toes a little bit, or that you're maybe disagreeing with? What what's something that you're hearing that's challenging you as as you're listening to one
3: another? Feel free to hop in. You don't. You can just
0: unmute here.
1: This is
2: not a macro concept at all I just I'm just so aware that I've I was only at my church eight months Mm -hmm. before this happened and now I've not been with them in person for two months and I I'm worried that when I see them again because I chose such a personal style of online worship Mm -hmm. they now feel like I've been sitting on a couch next to them for two months Mm -hmm. but I haven't seen them at all. So I'm worried. I'm not going to even know their names anymore. And so that's more of a family system issue. But just the way I got to this particular church was kind of unusual anyway. Mm -hmm. And we staged it so that they wouldn't realize I was new. So I've, and it worked, but now we're in this crisis and they're referring to things that like, well, Steph, you know, we always do Memorial. I'm like, I don't freaking know how we do Memorial Day. Thank you. And thank you for not bothering me to tell me this until two weeks beforehand, right? So that's an unusual stressor. And I'm thinking about any of us who just moved, it's, it's just an, the new normal is my normal kind of yeah. at this place. Um, and so I, I have this, when you think about liminal, that also has to do with time. And I, I, And I also found out one week before the pandemic, that 150 worshipers in my church that I thought were tenants are members and they're all refugees. So I'm also really struggling with the racist and colonial aspects of this particular pandemic and how I'm going to explain it to this white congregation that thinks it's only tenants that are testing positive and it's members. I realize that's just me, but that's really heavy. And I I can find no resources to read about (laughs) to help me think about this. Yeah
4: yeah that's good Isaac are you moving yeah I am moving that is the
2: oh <laughs> well there you go <laughs> so
4: I have to, I had to okay. announce <laughs> second, second week or second or third week online I had to announce this over on, online that I'm moving and it was difficult you know like and now I've I don't I don't know how much I was be able to see them how I can say goodbye and and I like, looking at the new church, what is it going to be like when they open? Are they going to reopen in the way that I want them to reopen? Or are they going to reopen in a way that I just have to continue on the way that they reopen when I get there? So all these questions are challenging right now. Like,
5: <laughs> I thank God that I'm not moving. I mean, I just.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: It's a, it's a. It, there's already enough disruption um, that add those kinds of disruption on there as
2: well. So, yeah. like You should have done your interview with like a hand puppet. <laughs> Since they won't see in person anyway, you could have been like, I got googly eyes.
4: <laughs> I actually did the interview that week off, you know, right before everything closed down. On that Monday when Trump announced no more gatherings of 10 people, that was the day, that was the night that I had that interview and then right after that you know all these things okay
3: that was it well I I,
0: for your sake I'm glad you got to have that and their sake too I'm glad you got to at least have that in person I know there have been lots been you know others that appointments that have been made via zoom so
3: that's hard you know in this season I I desperately want to call somebody and say how do I do this can you tell me what to do and when you when you exhaust the reality that there is no one who's ever done this before um it just it's humbling but it also reminds you that there's a lot of people going through this too and we're we are going to resource together to figure out the reopening and to figure out what's going to happen next um but you know, a lot of people have a plan right now. And my church is like, what's our plan? And I'm like, we don't need a plan right now. We're working on it, but we don't have to have it done yet. So it's okay. More permission giving. (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
0: that's right. Well, and I, I think um, I was recently listening to a podcast, um, one of Brene Brown's new podcasts, and she has a an expert on there, Mark Bracket, I think is his name, and he's a like an expert on emotions, and he was just he was talking about this idea of coping, and that coping um, for us is is really the thing that kind of takes the heat off, so that we can deal with the emotion. Unfortunately, what many of us do in of coping is we take the heat off and, and then we find unhealthy coping mechanisms. And this has really been a a season where we can begin to sort of illuminate what are actually good coping methods, healthy coping methods, you know, those things that, um, and I think just inviting people into the place of patience, like, you know, yeah, we want to have a plan, but guess what, by the time that rollout happens in a month, um, or six weeks, you're in a little closer, you know, you've got a little more uh, activity, I think in your area, maybe Cindy, um, numbers wise. And so it's going to be a longer rollout for you and plans you might make here in early May, um, by the time that, that you even have permission to, to get even a smaller group together. Um, it's, it's just going to be a while. So, um, so, um, you know, kind of letting a coping mechanism, um, sort of take some of the heat off so that we can deal with, <laughs> uh, deal with the, the negative emotions that we feel without burying them. Um, it, this, is, this is where, like I said, I, I just think this is kind of revealing some things about who we are and, um, and where our hope is as Christians um, and where our trust is as Christians. Um, And what, you know, what we believe about um, one another and what we believe about, um, about God and, and, and even ourselves during this time is being revealed. So,
3: yeah.
1: yeah. I wonder if we could look at one last question of when you look to the future, what excites you?
3: What Jeff said about interruption, disruption, thank you for naming that for me. I needed that. When I think about the disruption that we've had, when we do go back, it doesn't have to be the same and it shouldn't be the same. We should be a new creation in our church. And I'm hoping that our church members are going to embrace what it looks like to be a new creation and what we can do new and differently. I think, a, I don't know that my church members are going to be up for a 60 minute church service when we're done with this. So what is it going to look like to offer something that is a smaller service? So.
2: I, I've always had a lot of urgency around what I think is the true mission of the church and not the institutional church crap that I'm not very patient about. So I'm really looking forward to having some help with that.
5: Similarly, I'm excited about the new things that can emerge on the other side of this. Um, And I think when you were talking earlier, Stephanie, about all the things in your head and how you get ahead of other people and then try to figure out how to bring them into those thinkings and conversations in helpful ways, um, I'm energized as I think about what does it look like to be doing a lot of what we're doing now? in translatable, sustainable ways, because a bunch of it's going to stop when people have soccer games and baseball games again on Sunday mornings, right? I mean, a, a, a bunch of a bunch of what people, a bunch of their engagement's going to stop with it right now. Like, we've got this captive audience culturally, so how do we translate that to still those ongoing meaningful connections?
2: I think we got a good two years, though. I mean, where, where I'm living, it'll be two years. That's one of the things I'm not telling them yet. I don't have time to Take care of everyone's mental health right now at the same time. I gotta onboard them slowly to that, but
0: well, I think we're I think we're gathering most folks back here into into our room together. I hope you were able to have a few moments of some conversation with one another, and we do hope that this sort of sparks some conversation maybe that you can carry with you uh, to other groups that you're with whom you're connected. So we, um, we, we are glad for for, your oppor- for this opportunity to, to bring you back in here uh, into this big group. So we've kind of talked a, a little bit about, um, about some creativity, about some of the, the thief of joy comparison. We're talking uh, about some, some of the coping. And I'll tell you, one of the early days um, of this, I think, I think it was March 17th was the first time I had this awareness. I felt like the the heaviest part of the confusion and the uncertainty. And I didn't know what, what I felt. I didn't know what I thought. I couldn't have articulated it if you asked me. And so um in that moment um, I, of prayer, I sort of um I sort of just felt like I just need to reach in and I need to figure out what, you know, what, what, how am I feeling right now? Cause I don't really have words. And, and then it sort of was a natural progression for me immediately after to, to reach up and say, okay, God, here's where I'm feeling. Um, Where are you in the midst of this season? And, um, and then I was freed up a little bit to reach across, to think about those closest to me, my husband, my family, my, my friends, Um, My church, like, you know, I want to reach across God. How how are the people in my life and, and then that freed me up to be able to reach out and think how are the ways that I am am reaching out to, to connect with other people to maybe encourage them and so Nearly daily since March 17, I accidentally started a new spiritual practice <laughs> of reflection, um, <laughs> and it was beautiful. I don't know how many times I've like tried intentionally, really hard to start a new spiritual practice, and this one sort of happened to me. Um, and I've I've written it down. And it's been a good opportunity to to reflect. Um, but I would offer that to you all um, as a potential reflection, just a rhythm there. Um, to reach in, to reach up, to reach across, to reach out, and then there are times that I noticed, oh gosh, I have not been reaching out to anyone for two or three days in a row. Maybe it's time I sort of shake off um, my my myopia here um, and and start to look out um, to, to other people. So, so I would I would offer that as a way of checking in, perhaps a positive way of coping, um, even in the midst of this this challenging and difficult season. Uh, well, we hope that um, we're approaching our, our hour here, but we, we hope that this has been a time for us to kind of, um, for you to gather with maybe people you know or don't know, um, and, and to sort of describe the thing that, that we're all feeling. I've felt some, yeah, I feel that way too, um, as I've heard some different people um, sharing today. Um, so I hope that you've been able to to kind of um, describe uh, the situation that that we're all in. We've asked some questions um, and and maybe you're just beginning to articulate some of the questions for yourselves. Um, But but I want to invite you to to continue um, asking questions that that may illuminate um, a way forward that you didn't know was there before. And we hope that you felt encouraged um, that there's been something that has, you know, whether it's the advice to just be yourself um, and to, to just own that and to, to, to sort of remember that other people are navigating this. We're not alone in this. We, we hope that you um, have felt encouraged in our conversation today.
1: just want to let you know and invite you to our next session as well. We will have another conversation on Thursday, May 21st at 3 p.m. This will be a mental health check-in, and our guest presenter that day will be Cianne Emerton. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist and a licensed independent mental health practitioner and a life skills coach. She founded the Family Resource Center of Greater Nebraska and works Um, deliberately and intentionally with spiritual health and the study of resilience. And so um, she's done a lot of work with um, people who have experienced deep trauma. And in this time, we have invited her to come and meet with us as clergy to navigate these waters. And so I would invite you and invite you to invite others. If this would be helpful um, conversation for you with um, with a mental health practitioner, invite you to come and join us for that day. Well, um, when we were
0: thinking about closing, I um, decided to go to a go-to. Some of you have um, been around me a little bit and know that I love John O'Donohue, um, but uh, but but he has a reflection in here that has been has spoken to me and, and has ministered to me a little bit. So I just want to invite you. To to receive this as a blessing, to hear these words, let a phrase capture your attention. Um, But this is from his book, To Bless the Space Between Us. Um, And it's a blessing for the interim time. When near the end of day, life is drained out of light, and it is too soon for the mind of night to have darkened things. No place looks like itself. Loss of outline makes everything look strangely in between. Unsure of what has been or what might come. In this wan light, even trees seem groundless. In a while, it will be night, but nothing, seem, nothing here seems to believe the r- relief of dark. You are in this time of interim where everything seems withheld. The path you took to get here has washed out. The way forward is still concealed from you. The old is not old enough to have died away. The new is still too young to be born. You cannot lay claim to anything. In this place of dusk, your eyes are blurred and there is no mirror. Everything else has lost sight of your heart and you can see nowhere to put your trust you know you have to make your own way through. As far as you can, hold your confidence. Do not allow your confusion to squander this call which is loosening your roots in false ground that you might come free from all you have outgrown. What is being transfigured here is your mind and it is difficult and slow to become new. The more faithfully you can endure here, the more refined your heart will become for your arrival in the new dawn. I love this uprooting, disrupting, um, interrupting, uh, inviting us to a new place, a new season, a new threshold. We do hope um, that you are finding some light here at this threshold.
1: you for joining us for our first conversation in this series about ministry in liminal time. You can find links to join future conversations at greatplainsumc.org slash clergy resources or listen to them as a podcast at greatplainsumc.org slash podcasts. this is a challenging season, full of confusion and uncertainty, and we want to shed a little light to help you discern the way through. Thank you for joining us at The Threshold.